This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Friday, May the 20th, beginning of a long weekend for those in Canada, of course. Uh, and of course, the U.S. will have theirs next weekend. Uh, so, uh, very uh, exciting weekend ahead, but especially from a hockey perspective, as the uh, second round continues. It's Ian Cameron, just me today, Alex, Jimmy, and Andrew. They're all MIA today uh, for various reasons, but I'm here, and our guest is here, more importantly. Uh, another uh, guest joining us here on the Ice Guys show. We've had a month full of just outstanding guests, people that are either still playing the game or have played the game in the past. It's been great to get that player's perspective on things throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we have Connor Graham joining us today here uh, on the Friday edition of the Ice Guys. Connor, welcome to the Ice Guys. Glad you could make your Ice Guys debut. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, I guess your boys are getting an early start on the long weekend then, huh? Apparently, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They ditched me is what they did. Yeah. <laughs> no, one's banged up. Seriously, one's feeling under the weather. Uh, the other's traveling today. And I think the other one is also had an appointment that they couldn't get out of. So that that's what happens sometimes. But great to have you, Connor. Um, talk about your hockey past and your hockey background. And obviously not your hockey past, your hockey present. Uh, as well you're still playing and going to be back next season but uh, talk about uh, about your uh, past in junior uh, what you've been doing professionally uh, the last few years and all of that in terms of your uh, playing career yeah for sure um so i'm uh, i'm a local guy a gta guy um grow up uh, or grew up playing in the gthl um was able to uh play for some you know good organizations there I was able to finish with the marley Ontario will be proud of that good old canadian boy yeah good old exactly. boy. And he always pumps up the gthl yeah oh always for sure yeah tons of great players come out of that league uh, back then and even now still so proud to say i played in that growing up um and when i was 16 i was uh, presented with the unique opportunity to go over and play in uh, salzburg austria um played for the red bull u20 program and um that was a ton of fun and after that, came back to Ontario, played three years with the Ottawa 67s. Um, and after that, uh, went to school, um, played for University of Toronto, ended up transferring, finished uh, Wilfrid Laurier, got my degree during the pandemic. And then, uh, yeah, spent last season bouncing around the States, uh, split between a few coast teams and a stint in the SPHL as well. All right, good stuff. Now, goals for next season. Obviously, you know, you get trained hard. It's what every player does. No matter what league or uh, level you're at, you always want to, you know, train your best in the off season so you're ready to go come training camp next year. But do you have goals in mind? I want to be in this league. I want to be at this level next mm -hmm. year and moving forward. What are Connor Graham's goals for going into next season? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'd like to play for you know one maybe two teams i don't know if i could uh, handle playing for five different teams again um bit of a roller coaster for sure 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd like to establish myself as an East Coast player. I, I think I have it in me. Um, and then, you know, I think um, probably a lot of guys would say the same. And when you hit this point uh, in your career where I'm at, just my age and where I've played, I think, you know, my new NHL is the AHL, if you will. Um, so the ultimate goal would be to try and get as many games as I could at that level. But um, that being said, too, I, I next year, for sure, I would like to establish myself as an East Coast player. Question. Uh, that's definitely, it makes sense because looking at your uh, past resume, which I did before the show started, yeah, so it seems like, hey, ECHL, you hit, you got there, you know, this year and want to be there more of a longevity, you know, make that your permanent home, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, next year uh, and moving forward. Uh, great stuff. And we wish you all the best, certainly, uh, in the future. I uh, wish that as well. Definitely. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's talk NHL Stanley Cup playoffs because uh, that's what primarily I know our viewers and listeners are excited about, uh, and that's what they're here for, of course, from a betting perspective, talking NHL every day. Uh, last night's game is we will start, of course, with Tampa Bay and Florida, and the Tampa Bay Lightning take a 2-0 stranglehold of that series over the Florida Panthers. And look, I'm just going to be quite honest and say it. The Florida Panthers have not gotten to a level that you need to get to to win uh, playoff games in terms of how hard you have to compete. All right. If you watch yeah. that game last night, Tampa Bay is getting traffic. Tampa Bay has got layers uh, in terms of the uh, front of the house. Actually, you know what? We got a question. Is Connor a big scrapper? Because <laughs> apparently they, this one, someone's asking that because they associate ECHL with a lot of fighting. Well, there is a lot more fighting in that league, but you in yeah. particular, are you a scrapper? Yeah. I don't know if it's the beard or what that makes people think that, but uh, no, I'm not. Um, and actually the coast is, is changed a lot. There's a lot of really good young skill guys. Um, like there's fights of course, but it's not, uh, I don't think it's the circus it used to be. Yeah, there you go. So, okay, so that's good because it, it definitely was. I know even just 5, 10, 15 years ago it was. So, yeah, yeah there sure. you go. Uh, definitely. So, sorry to disappoint you there. Yeah. Nervous with the uh, question in the chat. But anyway, getting back to Tampa, Florida. Um, Look, the Lightning, we know they can win big playoff games. We know what they can do. We know they're good at both ends of the ice. Uh, we know they've got arguably the best goaltender in the world, certainly one of them in Andre Vasilevsky. Didn't always play that way during the regular season. Like April was not a very good month for him. Yeah. But boy, has he played well here in the playoffs. And when you look at it, look, Tampa Bay's getting to the tough areas of the ice. They're getting traffic. They're get, going to the blue paint. You know, they're going to the slot area. You look at the perfect deflection by Corey Perry. They're looking for stuff like that. It's not always got to be the pretty play. And too many times the Florida Panthers are trying to look for that pretty play to score a goal and look no further than their absolutely embarrassing, pathetic, disgraceful power play. I mean, it's just absolutely hideous to see this team operate with the man advantage. Everybody's stationary. There's too much passing. Just simplify it for traffic bodies to the net and shoot from anywhere. You know, you don't have to split the atom to figure out how to fix an ailing power play guys. I mean, my goodness. I mean, that's all you need to do. And Florida's had issues with that, uh, fixing it. Uh, their offense, of course, has been stymied in this series. And look, they survived Washington in the first round with a bad power play, uh, but they are not going to do that here against Florida. That being said, they were right there in the game. It was 1-1. They tied it late in the second, even though Tampa Bay was playing pretty well. But the dagger to give that goal up and have that kind of a defensive breakdown, it just cannot happen at that point where you get caught behind the net. Nobody's out there in front of the net to look after Ross Colton who buries the game-winning goal with three seconds left 
uh, in the third period to give Tampa the 2-1 lead and the 2-1 win, and more importantly, a 2-0 series lead. I, I don't want to say it's 100% done for Florida, but they're now in a spot where they have to go on the road for the next two games in Tampa Bay, and they've now got to try to win four of the next five games in this series against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning. And to be honest, it's just all about dedication. It's all about how much are you willing to sacrifice and dig down, blocking shots, getting to the front of the net. Tampa Bay check in both areas so far in this series over Florida doesn't block enough shots either. There's not yeah. enough of that kind of sacrifice going on, and they're in some big trouble now uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on the uh, game last night and the series? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's very evident when watching the two teams play that one is knows how to win in the playoffs, and the other one is still trying to figure it out. Um, I mean, Tampa, you know, like you said, two cups in a row. They're the best closers in the game. Um, they showed that versus Toronto in Game Seven, and they've showed it so far through two games versus Florida, and it's just, yeah, Florida obviously a zero percent power plays terrible, um, especially in the playoffs. You need to capitalize on those opportunities. Um, and just leaving a guy open in front of the net with five seconds to go. I mean, why, why you had, I know it's Kucherov back there and Kucherov's as good as he is, but he can't send 2d behind the net chasing him and leave a guy wide open in front. That's just, it's the minor details. It's just, I think Tampa, there's so much to be said about knowing how to win, especially this time of year. And I mean, it, you know, I think it's really easy to cheer for Florida because you got guys like Joe Thornton on that roster and it, it's someone new and everyone would love to see them win. But yeah, it's just so hard to beat Tampa and Tampa's just so good at what they do. And, you know, like you said, like they got like Stamkos is laying out blocking shots all over the place and they just, they know how to win and they know how to close and, they're just not giving Florida an inch right now. And yeah, you know, I that two nothing going back to Tampa, that's that's tough. Like yeah, Florida's got a roster that can win four or five games, but I don't know if they can do it versus Tampa in May. No, absolutely. And I, I did say to Alex B. Smith, even though he's not on the show today, I would do the Dave Michigan impression uh, of the call of Ross Colton's goal last night for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'll do it again. Score! Score! Ross Colton! Ross Colton! Unbelievable! An incredible goal! Three seconds left. The Lightning lead it. The Lightning lead it. Two to one. That's uh, good Dave Michigan there. And that and he's and he gets yeah. so excited. Like you hear the heavy breathing in between the lines when he scores a big when Tampa Bay scores a big goal. But uh yeah, that oh, is yeah. that's very similar to the sound of a Dave Michigan goal, uh oh, call yeah. of the goal. He's still been the lightning radio voice for two decades and he's just like bonkers. Yeah, well, I even remember his voice back when they won the cup in 04 as a kid, like just that was like the one uh I guess soundbite I was associated with them was just like this guy on the radio just yelling and screaming. Can't yeah. believe it. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. Talk about having the passion and the energy. I mean, unbelievable. But that he's had some incredible calls uh, like that in terms of uh, the big goals, especially in playoff time. If you search YouTube, the now we've done a good job with the YouTube clips, but we're we're being persecuted here, so we've got to lay off with the clips. But uh, definitely search them on uh, Dave, Dave Michigan, and you'll find uh, some pretty good uh, clips with that. Uh, in terms of his uh, calls from the past, but had another one last night. And uh, Tampa Bay with big control now of this series up 2 nothing. And the other game last night ended up being a fascinating game. And really, bravo, tip of the cap, salute, all of that to the St. Louis Blues last night. That was an incredible show of 
adjustments, figuring out where it went wrong in game one and fixing it and correcting it. And look, Craig Berube, we don't give him enough credit. Uh, this is now, you know, another sign of him in the playoffs from a coaching standpoint, doing one hell of a job. We know he took this team to the Stanley Cup when his first year there, took over the team midseason. Uh, they ended up winning the Stanley Cup 2019. And they've been a pretty good hockey team, really, for the most part. They've had some bumps in the road overall. But for the most part, they've had, you know, pretty good. Uh, they've been pretty good under Barube. And you could tell what St. Louis did differently in game two right away last night. Game one, it was a wave of attack. One line after another from the Colorado Avalanche. And the St. Louis Blues were not stemming the tide at all. It was just an onslaught on Jordan Bennington. And if not for his heroics in game one, uh, that game doesn't even get to overtime. It could have easily been eight to two, you know, for Colorado, but it got to overtime because Bennington was great, but they were just letting the speed through the neutral zone really generate for the abs, get that speed, give up the blue line too easily. And the rest was history. And Colorado, you know, was just swarming St. Louis. You didn't see anything close to that last night in game two. What they did is they deployed more of their forwards, the three forwards on the ice at any time through the neutral zone. That's what they did. And they just kept them there, uh, essentially. Like, we're going to really take away any sort of time and space you have through the middle of the ice. What, name me the, the times last night where you saw Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, or many of these avalanche forwards who just love to rush the puck up the ice, you know, from end to end. Name me a time when you saw that last night. You didn't. Wow. And that's a credit to the St. Louis Blues and the way they defended, you know, as a five-man unit, you know, in all three zones last night, but especially in the neutral zone. I mean, that was definitely, you know, they said numbers on the puck is one of those phrases I always hear Craig Berube say. And, you know, probably other coaches will as well. Numbers supporting the puck. You know, there's not just one player or two players around the puck there's three sometimes so that we can get the numbers we get the possession and we don't let them do anything with it and we saw that over and over again from the st louis blues last night that was the big difference i mean colorado could not ramp up anything in terms of speed and puck you know carrying through the neutral zone and it made all the difference in the world last night i mean do we see mckinnon as well you know what he's like when he goes oh, yeah. end to end he's like a horse he starts to giddy up he's got that kind of horse-like skating stride if you will and we see him giddy up, and he goes from end to end, and we never saw him do that once last night in game two. So unbelievable team defense from the Blues. Uh, and Bennington was great again, but he had a lot more help. I mean, the team defense in front of him was a whole hell of a lot better last night in game two than it was uh, in game one. And they capitalized on their chances. The power play, again, Colorado can't give – I don't care you know, how good Colorado is. They are. You still can't give St. Louis a five-on-three you know, in a critical time of the game because the Blues have a phenomenal power play. You know, they've had a great power play all year, uh, and they capitalized on David Perron, by the way, outstanding again, couple goals for him, which was great to see. Vegas probably kind of pissed off they didn't keep him, but at the time they couldn't. But seeing what Perron's doing in St. Louis, it's been special, uh, and they end up getting the 4-1 uh, to one victory uh, in Game 2 last night. If you took St. Louis, you cashed at plus 200. They were on the money line last night. so. Big underdog, and I have them in the series at plus two and a half games. I chickened out. I did not take St. Louis to win the series, but I do have them plus two and a half games, which means as long as they get this series to at least six games, uh, that bet is going to win. And boy, they took a big step forward to doing that, getting a split in Denver, 
and now going home for game three uh, in St. Louis and a very quiet night for any of the big guns for Colorado, to be quite honest. Landeskog got the power play goal, but you know, other than that, McKinnon, quiet night. McCarr, quiet night. Rantanen, quiet night. Kadri missing the net all night. Part of that's the defense position-wise was terrific, and Bennington has been so good that sometimes you try to be too cute and too fine with your shot, right? You know, Connor, you're a good person to ask anybody that's played the game when a goalie's just in the zone and you I think you're having a hard time beating him and the defense is playing well in front of that goalie too when you see a guy like Kadri missing the net like eight times part of that is hey you're trying to be too fine you're trying to just get the shot in that perfect location because the goalie's just playing so well and the defense in front of the goalie's playing so well you just try to look for that perfect shot and you end up missing the net a bunch of times yeah, it's um, it's funny, right? Because your mind immediately goes, "Oh, I got to be perfect." When in reality, the solution is probably just more quantity. Um, you know, Colorado. I think they're probably yeah the most active decor in the league. They do a phenomenal job of getting the, those guys going in the ozone, and they do a really good job too of having that F three high kind of create space. Um, but instead of getting confused and creating chaos, St. Louis, like you said, did a really good job of staying tight, staying compact in front of their net. Um, they're going to need Bennington to be great to win that series. And he was good last night. And yeah, like you said, I mean, a, a split in Colorado, I think that's perfect for St. Louis coming home now. And hopefully they get, they got to get at least one at home, obviously, but yeah, that's uh it's a good looking bet. Uh, at this point, I'd say, uh, that game to go to six or a series to go to six, excuse me. And a pedestrian, uh, three shots on goal last night for, uh, Nathan McKinnon, we've been talking about the shots on goal props. You know, we, we, we always talk player props uh, on the uh, show here every day with every game. And uh, the over shots on goal for Nathan McKinnon's like automatic, even at four and a half and uh, five shots on goal with this, where mm-hmm. the prop has been. We've seen him have eight, nine, six, eight, six, nine, you know, in the last uh, seven games before uh, last night uh, where he only had actually last six games. And then last night he only had three, which is an, ultimate credit to the St. Louis Blues again and the way they defended last night. And, you know, Darcy Kemper's been great all season, but an ill-timed weak goal that went in on him was the third goal. I mean, it was definitely one that hit his glove and it went in, and that was the backbreaker because that's what extended that third-period lead for St. Louis uh, to 3-1. to one. So a uh, tough goal to give up, but Kemper's, you know, still had a great season overall. Just the timing of that uh, certainly wasn't great. But give uh, the, the Blues credit. They made a loud statement last night that we're in this series and we're in it to win it. We're not just here to compete against this juggernaut Colorado team. And people just assume we got swept last year by Colorado, that the same fate's going to happen this year when we play them. And they made a loud statement. We're in this series. Yeah. That win last night. I'm sure uh, Colorado's probably really frustrated too. Because if you look at those three goals, like you said, third one's off his glove and in. Probably like a save there if it's going to hit his glove. And then uh, that first one off of Gerard's stick, rolling puck. And then the five on three late in the second. I mean, it's just, you know, those are three goals that you can, you're probably sitting there going, okay, we can, you know, make sure that doesn't happen next game. Um, But yeah, I'm sure Colorado probably frustrated to be going back to St. Louis 1-1 instead of up 2-0. There's no question about that. They are. And I'm frustrated with the Denver uh, media. Uh, and what some of the questions they were asking last night uh, after that game to Nathan McKinnon, who's been always gracious, who's always, you know, answering the questions, win, lose, or draw. And, you know, obviously we know Colorado, this is the round that has been their bugaboo. 
They have not gotten past the second round since, you know, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. That core trio has been here with Colorado. And obviously, it's going to be a talking point for certain members of the media in post-game press conferences. So, yeah, that was a tough loss. You never like to give up home ice. You like to, you know, win every home game. But now, obviously, you're 1-1, and the series is going back to St. Louis. So it's a little small edge for the Blues now. But one of the questions to Nathan McKinnon last night after that game from, I don't know who it was. Thank goodness I don't think it was Adrian Dater, uh, who is uh, one of Jimmy Murphy's colleagues at uh, Hockey Now who covers the avalanche. I don't think it was him. It was someone else, which is good because I would have ripped him for the question. But the question that someone else asked McKinnon last night, are you really worried now about this series now after tonight's result? You know, are you worried now? I mean, what the hell kind of question is that? The series is 1-1. What You really think that little of this team mentally? I, I get it. They've had problems in the second round. They had a tough end of the series in the second round against Vegas last year. Remember, they were up two nothing. They lost four straight yep. after that. It was a it was a tough way to go out, no doubt. But this team's past is allowing and apparently permitting the media there to ask these ridiculous, asinine, and quite frankly unacceptable questions. To yep. ask someone of Nathan McKinnon's, he was nothing but a stand up person off the ice with what he, the way he's played for this organization. To ask him whether he's worried. Now, in this series about losing it, when the series is tied 1-1, and we've only played two fucking games in the series, it's it's aggravating to me. It's It pisses me off. It's it's why sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like it when the players have to deal with some of these schmucks uh, in the media that ask questions like that. What, they this team that's just been so good all year can't go to St. Louis and win a game? Yeah. Three, yes. four? Like, they, can, they can't win a game in St. Louis. Apparently, this guy thinks they can't win a game in St. Louis. The way he's yeah. talking, that really we've got to be so damn petrified, scared, and worried now that the series is tied one-one. God damn it, that's such a stupid question. I yeah, mean, but, yeah, especially good. to uh, pass, media pass revoked for asking something like that. But uh, anyway, Connor, go ahead. I'm just no, I was going to say, like that's that's, um, yeah, of course they're not worried. It's their first loss in the playoffs. Like they're they're an unreal team, best in the league probably on paper. I mean it's. Uh, no, I don't think they're worried at all. It's one one. Yeah, no, it's that's uh that is a stupid question for sure. Yeah, it is. You know, it's just absolutely terrible. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And I think this team deserves a little more kind of respect than that. I know that this round of the playoffs has been a tough one for them, but I just didn't like that. I didn't like mm-hmm. that at all. Uh, you know, could you at least wait till maybe they're facing an elimination game before you say you're worried? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, if they're down three, two, you know, and, and the series is going back to St. Louis for game six, I, I don't even think that's a good question after that game, but at least yeah. there they're facing elimination and the next game, if they lose it, their season's over again in the second round, but Holy shit. We're talking one, one, we're talking yeah. two games into the series. Let's, let's calm down on the, we're worried where the way the series is going right now, it's one, one. And and so team in Colorado that can certainly win some road games uh, in this oh, series. Sure. So uh, definitely sure. a bizarre question in my mind, but we'll see how Colorado responds. Game three will be tomorrow uh, on Saturday uh, in this series. All right, let's get to tonight's games. We've got two of them. We will start with uh, game two, Eastern Conference, second round matchup, New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina minus 165 home favorites, five and a half the total uh, in this game. 
Uh, I'm in a good position right now, Connor, with this series. I took Carolina to win game one and the series, a combination bet, and it was plus 105. So it was plus money. Uh, and that's where what I took before the series started. Carolina didn't look good in game one for a large part of it, but they came back and won in overtime uh, and lead the series one nothing. And so as a result right now, uh, I'm in a good situation with that because now I've essentially got Carolina to win the series at plus 105 when the current series price everywhere has Carolina about minus 350, you know, right wow. now to win the series after winning game one. So I'm in a great spot with a great price, you know, with Carolina now plus 105 to win the series. I like Carolina to actually win tonight again, but I'm not going to lay minus 165. I have no reason to. I've already got them to win the series plus 105. I'm very, very satisfied with that. But I worry about the Rangers considering they played as good a game as they've played in these entire playoffs, and that includes the first round uh, against yeah. Pittsburgh. I mean, you talk about team defense and having a five-man unit in all three zones and playing great. Everybody was connected. There wasn't a gap between the defense and the forwards at any point on the ice. It was a tight, strong, structured defensive game on the road from the New York Rangers in game one. So good that they deserve to win. Let's be honest. For the majority of that game, they were the better team. But all it takes against Carolina is one mistake and one great play. And it was a mistake defensively you know, to let Ajo get behind. And it was a great pass from Seth Jarvis, who I've been singing the praises of all season long. He's totally uh, showing you why Rod Brindamore's got him playing top line right now uh, with Ajo and Svechnikov uh, on that Carolina team. He's been magnificent. A great pass to Ajo. uh, And he gets this initial shot that Shesterkin stops. But what I like is that he stopped in front of the net after the initial shot was stopped. You know, he didn't go for a free skate in the corner or behind the net. He stopped right in front of the net, got the loose puck, got the second chance, and put it past Shesterkin to tie the game uh, 1-1 with, what, two minutes left uh, in the third period the other night. Uh, And then the the overtime goal was a bad, bad break for the Rangers, no question. It ticked off the stick of the defenseman, Ryan Lindgren, uh, took just a smallest of deflections, but clearly totally changed directions. Nothing uh, Igor Shesterkin could have done. Uh, Ian Cole gets the game winner in overtime. And for the Rangers, when you play as good as you did, and Carolina played probably as poorly as they did, you know, for any at any point in these playoffs, and for the Carolina Hurricanes to still win that game, first I'm concerned about how do the Rangers bounce back? How do they respond mentally? They've got to put themselves in the frame of mind of, okay, we should have won that game, but we've got to feel confident about going into tonight rather than, oh, we lost that game. We let it get away. What a missed opportunity. You know, it's all about the mental frame of mind. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at the positives. And if you're Gerard Gallant, you've got to try to hammer home and accentuate the positives of what they did in game one, that you played a great game for 58 minutes or so, especially at the defensive end. And hopefully that's enough to get them revved up again to play uh, another strong road game tonight here in game two to try to tie the series. But easier said than done. You know, you lose a game like that, it can be difficult. And can we bank on Carolina being that bad? at home again for a second straight game. I'm not so sure. So I think they win tonight, Carolina. Uh, certainly if you're not involved in the series, maybe I'd look Carolina in regulation tonight. Or if you if you think this game could go to OT again, you can just play it safer with the minus 165, although that is a bigger price to, uh, uh, to lay if you're going to take them. 
But I, I think Carolina can win uh, once again tonight, and it'll be a little bit challenging for the Rangers to even it up. The total, I think, could go either way. I mean, I usually like to look for a higher scoring game when it was that tight and that low scoring in game one. So I would lean over, but I don't love it. And the one thing about these two teams, Connor, they're number one and number two all season goals allowed uh, in the NHL. Two of the better defensive teams uh, in the NHL. And boy, they sure look like it when, if you watch the way game one unfolded. Uh, I'll get to props in a second uh, for this game, but first we'll get thoughts from uh, Connor. Connor, what do you like here? Rangers, Hurricanes. Yeah, um, I think uh, it, it's interesting. Carolina's had an interesting playoff so far where I think they're 5-0 and at home, but 0-3 on the road. Um, but uh, they're really tough to beat at home. They've proven they're tough to beat at home so far in the playoffs. But I think it might actually benefit the Rangers a bit more if they can open up the game a little bit. Um, maybe not a full-on track meet, but get it get the pace up a bit. Let guys like Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider, um, who are – you really like kind of scoring in bunches. They're that kind of player um, players. Um, but uh, I actually, I think Carolina will win the series, but tonight I, I think I'm actually leaning Rangers. Um, I like them in a bounce back and I think it'll probably be the over. I don't think it'll be a crazy high scoring game, but I could see uh, a four, three or a four, two game for sure. Liking the dog and the over here uh, is Connor. New York plus 145 over five and a half is now like plus 100, essentially. Uh, you can get a DraftKings uh, with the uh, over here in this game. So if it, at that price, I'm, I'm, I'm almost willing to say, I mean, I think I will have a small piece of the over at that number. I mean, five and a half plus 100. Uh, you got to think Carolina, Carolina said, and Rod Brindamore had a great interview with uh, uh, Emily Kaplan. Uh, on the ESPN. She does a great job, by the way. Her questions are phenomenal. She's one of the actually better interviewers in the entire league right now, uh, Emily Kaplan for uh, ESPN. But uh, Rod Brindamore said to her that our passes were sloppy. Our passes aren't connecting. You know, we're just not getting the, we're just not crisp with our execution. You know, passing is not sharp. You know, half the time they're passing the puck and the player isn't there. That happened a bunch to Carolina in game one. You've got to think they try to iron that out and smooth sure. that out uh, a little bit here tonight uh, in game two. As far as props go, you know I'm going back to the well with Seth Jarvis. There's no way I'm not. He has been a points machine here in the playoffs, and especially on home ice. He's been really good uh, here at home in the playoffs, but still overall uh, in the postseason, two, four, five, six points for Seth Jarvis in eight playoff games, uh, three goal, four goals as well uh, during that span, or three goals, I should say, as well during that span. So, uh, Seth Jarvis to collect a point. You could even sprinkle on the goal score prop for him. An overshots on goal for sure with Seth Jarvis. Uh, we have seen him uh, really shoot the puck a lot uh, in recent games. He had three uh, shots, eight shots. One game where he actually got blanked in terms of shots in Boston, but at home, you know, three and three in the last two games, eight shots on goal in the 5-1 win against Boston. So he's really been shooting the puck a lot here on home ice as well. So the shots on goal for Seth Jarvis, probably a good look as well uh, in terms of props. Now, I always say Max Domi has value because he's on the second line. He was quieter, obviously, in game one. Everybody was quieter for the most part for Carolina in game one. But uh, Max Domi's still on that second line with Trocek and Tara Vinen, and he's not getting priced to score a goal or collect a point like his line mates are. Uh, because of the fact he just recently got bumped up. And, Connor, that's actually a strategy that I've talked about when you're looking at player prop wagering in the NHL. Bet on the player that's moving up the lineup. 
that's just moving up the lineup from the third line to the top line, third line to the second line, uh, anyone moving up the lineup because you're going to get a better price, better odds with their goal score prop to get a point, shots on goal. You're going to get better numbers compared to the other players on that line that have been there and that have been established on that line uh, all year. I find it's great, you know, a positive expectation, value-laden bet. And often, and you, I'll let you speak to this, often you get the player moving up the lineup playing a hell of a game. When they get that opportunity, suddenly they're playing with better players. They might get some power play time, either with the first power play unit or the second. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, it goes right to their legs that, hey, I'm getting this opportunity in the top six now. I need to make the most out of it. Makes sense to you, right? Absolutely, it does. And yeah, Max Domi, especially like he's a really skilled player. He scored a ton at that level. And yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense for sure. Yeah, and he did in Game 7. How about that yeah. uh, performance against the uh, Boston Bruins? Uh, outstanding job for sure. As far as the Rangers go, uh, it's been that same group of prop players for me For with them. It's been Andrew Kopp. It's certainly been Adam Fox to get a point or shots on goal. Makes sense for him from the blue line. He's usually yet played a part in most of the Rangers' offense. Uh, you know, I could never say don't bet props for Kreider and Zibanejad and Panarin because they're the go-to guys, but you know, don't sleep on Ryan Strom, and don't sleep on Andrew Kopp. Andrew Kopp's had a great yeah. playoffs here for the uh, Winnip uh, for the uh, New York Rangers, formerly of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, and definitely someone to, that I'm always considering too for props. So uh, definitely, there's a few prop looks for me in the uh, game tonight. All right, let's turn our attention now to the Battle of Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary. We've got uh, Calgary minus 170 uh, home favorites here in Game Two. Uh, the total in this one, six and a half. Interesting that we had a 9-6 shootout, shootout at the OK Corral there uh, in game one uh, in Calgary. And yet this total is only a half goal higher than it was in game one. I mean, the game uh, one, the game one total was six. This total is only six and a half. So there's only been a, a small adjustment here uh, in terms of the uh, total for this game. And when you look at it, um, I don't think it's enough. And I know there's going to be the sentiment that some people have that this game is suddenly going to be tighter tighter than a drum. Both coaches are going to be very angry with the way their teams defended uh, in game one. And I think there's some truth to that. And both goalies will want to play better. Mike Smith for Edmonton and uh, Jacob Markstrom uh, for Calgary. No question. Neither of those goalies played well uh, in game one. But there are some, I just think in this series, and I don't think we're going to get nine, six again tonight, uh, but to cash over six and a half, we don't need to uh, get that kind of score. We could get five, two, five, three, four, three, and that's still enough to get over the total. I still think there's advantages here with the offenses for both teams. Calgary can roll four lines and waves and many of them can contribute. I think if you, if you're, if you want to be nitpicky, you know, you can say that Brett Ritchie, Trevor Lewis, and Milan Lucic aren't going to give them a whole lot of offense, but even Brett Ritchie scored one of the goals for Calgary in game one. And certainly you can get offense from the top three lines. Goudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk, an incredible top line. Mangiapane, Backlund, and Blake Coleman is now on the second line. I said, once this guy starts scoring goals, you, you bet his props every game. He's undervalued. He can still get plus 300, plus 350 with Blake Coleman to score a goal tonight to get a point is if, if you can find it is probably worth a look. Uh, and he had a bunch of chances against Dallas. The fuck just didn't go in for him. Finally, he gets his first two playoff goals uh, of this year's playoffs in game one uh, against Edmonton. And Blake Coleman's just went look eight playoff goals for the Tampa Bay lightning uh, last year when they won the Stanley cup. And he plays big 
uh, in the postseason. So Coleman props make sense to me. And now he's on the second line. Sutter giving him that little bump uh, up the lineup tonight. Uh, he'll be on the second line with, uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, with Michael Backlund and Andrew Mangiapane. You've got Dylan Dubé, Callie Yarncroke, and Tyler Toffoli uh, on the uh, third line. Very interesting now that Sutter's got Toffoli more in a checking role. And which he's very adept at playing because he's a good two-way player and he knows Daryl Sutter well. They won Stanley Cups together in Los Angeles uh, with the Kings. And, you know, Sutter always raves about his play away from the puck, that he's a 200-foot player. And he knows that he's kind of struggling offensively a little bit here in these playoffs. So he figures, oh, I'm going to put him on the third line role, put him in more of a checking role. Knowing Toffoli's demeanor, this isn't going to bother him. He's perfectly fine, whatever it takes to help the team win. Uh, and I think that line's going to be effective with Dubé, Yarncroke, and uh, Toffoli. So I like the way the lineup's deployed. I still think of, you could you could go a bunch of different directions. I think you've got to take Lindholm to score a goal, collect a point, shots on goal as well for Lindholm. I mean, he's absolutely a must right now uh, with the way he's playing. But I think Coleman's my favorite, second favorite Calgary player prop tonight after that. For Edmonton, in terms of player props, I would just stick with Yamamoto and Kane, the supporting cast, not the Leon and Connor definitely uh, are always a threat, but you're always having to pay not as good of a price to back them in terms of their props. So you got to look down the lineup a little bit. And to me, that's always Yamamoto and Kane. Uh, no question about that. They are the ones that can be very dangerous as well. Uh, Yamamoto uh, scored the other night and he had a bunch of chances earlier in the playoffs. It's only a matter of time before he connects Zach Hyman, had a great game one. There's another player prop worth looking and you'll get better odds with them. Those players to score a goal, collect a point uh, compared to Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and Leon still not quite hundred percent still playing through that uh, ankle sprain uh, as well that he's dealing with. So that those are the props I like as far as the side goes, it's tough because Calgary to me is just deeper at the blue line, especially. I mean, Edmonton after Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece, I know he had a big goal against L.A., and then they're talking about him like he's Bobby Orr. I mean, let's calm down a little bit here. I know he had a big game against L.A., uh, talking about him like he's Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, my goodness, let's woo, settle down a little bit here. Uh, he had a big goal, but he's remember, this is also a guy that couldn't stick with Ottawa, couldn't stick with Toronto, you know, so keep that in mind. You've also got, you look down the rest of the defensemen, Tyson Berry, more offensive than defensive. Evan Bouchard, more offensive than defensive. I, I hate to say this about Duncan Keith, but he's had an unbelievable career. Hall of Famer, surefire, an incredible career. He's one of the best defensemen for many years in this league, but he's a shell of that right now. And he's looked terrible at times. I mean, the stumbling out of the bar, falling down on the ice a couple of times, just out of position. Uh, it's, it's sad to see it for a guy that's had a great career, but his, uh, father time doesn't wait for anybody. And, and Duncan Keith is finding that out right now. And then Brett Kulak is just a depth defenseman they got from Montreal. So there's a lot of questions about that Edmonton blue line once you get past Darnell Nurse. There's no question. Uh, Calgary's deeper there. Uh, Calgary, people say Edmonton, you know, is embarrassed that they're going to play better, uh, that uh, losing that game, playing bad. I don't think Calgary, Connor, is very happy with playing the way they did. They let Edmonton back into that game 6-6, and they had to rescue it. Uh, in the third period. So I think Calgary wants to play better as well. And if both teams want to play better, who are you going to trust? I'm going to trust, I think, the better, deeper team. So I've had a hard time going against Calgary. I initially was leaning Edmonton, but I'm going to stay off. It's just a lean to Edmonton uh, in this one. I'm, I'm going to stick with the over. 
That is my one pregame side or total bet here. Uh, I like over this total here, six and a half. And you can get that right now at minus 110 to minus 120. And one more thing I'll say, Connor, and then I'll throw it to you. I don't know if you've noticed this. You know, Calgary, you notice these last few games, they have not given up many shots. They have not given up many chances, especially compared to what they're getting. But the chances they've allowed, the shots they've allowed, the majority of them have been high danger, high quality chances, grade A chances. So while they're not giving up a ton of shots and chances, they're giving up incredible quality. It happened against Dallas in game six and seven where they were not giving up a lot of shots, but giving up a lot of quality in those few shots that they were allowing. And it happened again in game one against Edmonton. And Calgary found out in that game, look, Dallas doesn't have the high-level finishers to bury some of those chances in the first round. You're going to give up high quality of that magnitude to Edmonton. They're going to do a better job finishing. And they're going to do a better job turning those chances into goals. So that's a concern for me. It was a concern coming into this series. I said, this is the one way Edmonton can win this series. They turn this into a shootout. And even though they're not, they're consistently, in my opinion, not going to get the same number of shots and chances that Calgary will. But if they may not need many shots and chances to find the back of the net, if Calgary is going to give up this great quality and let defensemen just walk in from the blue line and go all the way to the net, which they've done multiple times. So Calgary's got to fix that. And it's up to Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter's a coach. Usually we trust him to fix that. We'll see if he can tonight. Otherwise, Edmonton is still very much in this series, in my opinion. What do you think, Connor? Battle of Alberta, game two. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you on Sutter. I mean, he had the comment after last game where he said something like, or somebody asked him about McDavid putting up four points, and he said something along the lines of, if he keeps doing that, then have fun in the next round. Um, so I think he will be calling for a response from his team for sure to tighten up. Um, you know, very rarely are you going to give up six in a playoff game and win, if ever. Um, I like Markstrom to ba- bounce back more than I like Mark- Mike Smith. Um, so I think I got Calgary tonight winning the game. Uh, the over-under scares me a little bit. I don't know which way to lean with that. Um, I can see it go either way. Um, I think it'll be a close game. I don't think it'll be a blowout. But, um, yeah, I just think Calgary, like you said, they got that third line there with Toffoli and, you know, Coleman, if he starts firing, he's a winner. He knows he knows how to win. Um, I think they're just so much deeper and, you know, they're I think they're better on the back end. They're better in net. Um you know, I obviously don't have a McDavid, but they got Kachuk and Goudreau, which, you know, Edmonton doesn't necessarily have. Um, so, yeah, I think Calgary definitely – I don't know if it'll be a long series, but I think every game will be close. But, um, yeah, I like Calgary tonight for sure. And then, like you said, with Lindholm, he, he's just been automatic right now. And you got to think Calgary's game plan tonight is throw everything at the net. So I like Lindholm over uh, – I think I saw him two and a half. So I like him over on the shots for sure. Um, yeah, but um, no, definitely. I think Sutter will want his team to tighten up, and Edmonton will, you know, they just got to play tight and basically hold serve when McDavid and Drysaitel are on the ice, and let them do their thing when they are. Yeah, there's there's no question that that's going to be a, a big uh, part in it. Neutralizing McDavid, if they neutralize McDavid at any point in this series, they're going to win this series hands down. Uh, the Calgary Flames, no question, and. It is kind of comforting that, you know, Connor McDavid, four points in game one and Calgary still won. But obviously that's not the uh, blueprint uh, for success moving forward. He tried try not to allow four points to uh, number 97 uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers there, Connor McDavid, or else you're definitely playing with fire, no pun intended. Uh, but yeah, I think when you look at it here for Calgary, 
uh, they've got a better game in them too. I know Edmonton will play a lot better, but I think Calgary's probably got a better game in them too. And to be honest, uh, for the early part of that game, they were dominant. There was domination for the Flames, and still the overall advanced numbers were in their favor uh, in that game. So there's still a lot of reasons to um, like Calgary here to take a two nothing series lead. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm going to stay off. You know, minus one seventy, not going to get involved in. Uh, because I do think Edmonton – and the one thing about Mike Smith, too, is he's been a good bounce-back goalie you know, throughout the uh, playoffs. He's, he has shown that so far. Can he do it again this time around? I mean, it's one thing to bounce back against L.A. L.A. is a little bit more – I don't know, the third and the fourth line to me for L.A. just do not have the punch that Calgary's does. Yeah. So that's why this is going to be probably a little bit of a tougher challenge in terms of Mike Smith being able to put game one behind him and then bounce back strong with a great performance tonight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, LA, I mean, they're definitely a step behind Calgary just in terms of where they're at on their development, I guess. Like Calgary, I think, is that team that's ready to go win now. Um, and they're, they've just done a better job, I think, of building that roster top to bottom. So I think, you know, their depth, Edmonton just doesn't have it to the bottom of their roster where they can compete with Calgary. Um, I think ultimately that'll probably be the difference in the series because McDavid's going to get his points. Goudreau's going to get his points. Um, Smith is not going to give up nine every night. Um, you know, like he'll better not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'll bounce back. He'll, he'll play okay, but it might be the kind of thing where, you know, if he plays better tonight, maybe that looks like letting in four, but that still might not be enough if Calgary can play the kind of game that they're capable of and that Sutter, I'm sure will want them to play, but yeah, I think it's a shame for Edmonton. Probably. I mean, you're sitting there thinking you probably wasted one in game one, a uh, nice gift on the road where Markstrom's not stopping anything. And McDavid has four points. He scores six, but he just gave up way too many and they, a missed opportunity for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, that is, uh, that, that's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like I say, I'm, I'm sticking to my, sticking to my, uh, uh opinions here that this is probably going to be, uh, enough of a high scoring game to go over six and a half. I mean, obviously I had over six in game one and it was about as easy as it gets. It was over the total by the early part of the second period. Yeah. It had already gone over the, I don't think it's going to be that easy tonight, but I think we'll get four, three, five, two, five, three, something like that. Not quite nine, six, but. I think you'll get enough. I just think, again, Edmonton wants to push the pace, too. Edmonton does not want to be uh, playing, you know, a bit of a, you know, slog best type of game. Like Calgary's very adept at playing that way. Edmonton doesn't. I think they realize their best chance is to really get the pace of the game up. And Calgary struggled with that. So I don't think you're going to see Jay Woodcroft try to uh, uh, deviate from that unless they might go to the, the well with what St. Louis did last night. Let's line up all our forwards in the neutral zone. I'm sure they're going to try to do it this way and take away that neutral zone speed and don't let Connor McDavid kind of do what Nathan McKinnon also likes to do, the wheeling and dealing end-to-end the way yeah. he likes to. Take away that neutral zone uh, ability to just, you know, wheel the puck right through the middle un untouched. You know, I think that's definitely something that – that's definitely one of the adjustments Calgary uh, is probably going to look to make here tonight. And as far as Calgary goes in terms of defending Edmonton – or Edmonton goes in terms of defending Calgary – it's really, you know, you need to sort out your defensive zone coverage. It was abysmal. It was one breakdown after another. It was too many turnovers as well. Uh, that's clearly what Jay Woodcroft uh, is going to have to address with his team uh, going into tonight. But even if both teams really do focus defensively, I still think you'll see enough goals here to get over that number. Uh, great stuff with our special guest today, uh, Connor uh, Graham, on the uh, Friday edition of the show. Before we let you, uh, before we wrap up the show, 
Uh, did you have a favorite team that you cheered for growing up as a kid? Um, Who are they? Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny. Um, I didn't really have a favorite team, but I kind of uh, was raised in the house that we were the anti-Leaf people. Um, I know oh, that's okay. not a popular answer in this this part of the world, but uh, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where all my friends are obviously diehard Leaf fans, and it's just kind of fun to give them a hard time. So I wouldn't say I have a favorite team, but I do kind of have a least favorite team. <laughs> You have a least favorite team, and that's the Leafs. Well, that's okay by us because on the Ice Guys show, we've spent many of shows in the last, you know, four or five years we've been doing this, uh, just bashing on the Leafs, just absolutely, you know, criticizing them and ridiculing them. And I've been the uh, ringleader uh, of that effort uh, for the last few years on this show, uh, criticizing them. I actually took it easy on them after they lost to Tampa uh, in seven games because at least their effort was commendable. Uh, they mm-hmm. battled. They competed. You know, it wasn't a disgraceful uh, choke job and meltdown and uh, just no show in game seven like it was last year uh, against Montreal. Uh, they lost in a much more honorable way uh, this year against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. But nevertheless, it's a results-oriented business, and they're still out in the first round again. And yep. It's still pain at the end of the day for them. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're a good team for sure. But like you said, like you, at some point you got to win. doesn't matter who you play. Like if you're going to win the Cup this year, you got to beat Tampa at some point probably. So yep. it's Another tough year for them, I guess. And Tampa survived an incredibly tough effort from the Leafs, and now look what they're doing, up 2-0 on Florida uh, and looking to uh, improve on that. So uh, the Leafs, you know, and they're staying at Pat. We saw the pre- – I don't think we talked about the Leafs press conference much earlier this week, but so I'll do it now briefly. But, you know, they're not changing much, at least in the front office is going to be the same. It's still going to be Shanahan and Dubas, president and GM. It's still going to be Sheldon Keefe as head coach. Maybe they make a trade and – like the the guy that they're mentioning is William Nylander. That's the player they're saying might get traded just to shake up some semblance of the core. Yeah. You know, Matthews isn't going anywhere. Uh, Marner's not going anywhere. Riley's not going anywhere. Uh, those guys are definitely coming back. They might just do a small little uh, a, a trade of like a Kerfoot or a Nylander, you know, someone else uh, just to give them a little bit of a different look and feel you know, going into next year. And then they've got the question marks. Do we bring back Jason Spezza for another year? Does he retire? And he's already said he's, it's either I come back to Toronto, play for the Leafs, or I'm retiring. Uh, and then there's Jack Campbell, who they haven't committed yet to bring him yeah. back, which, you know, and I understand that, but at the same time, you're not going to get a high-priced goalie either because you don't have the cap space. You're a salary cap strapped team, so you can f- fucking forget about doing that. But then Jack Campbell actually played very well for you this year. So, you know, if you don't re-sign Jack Campbell, what the hell are you doing uh, in net next year? That's my question to uh, Kyle Dubas. So I know there's some all of a sudden some rumblings that it's looking maybe more likely than not that they don't re-sign uh, Jack Campbell. But my question is, who the hell are you going to get if not for, if if it's not going to be Jack Campbell as your number one next year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there there's. Uh, their biggest problem probably is their lack of flexibility. Um, like, I don't even think you could trade, you know, like you can't trade Tavares even if you wanted to. And not that that's the answer. I think John Tavares is an incredible hockey player and a great human being. But, um, yeah, like Nylander is really their only option. And then, like you said, whatever they do in that is probably going to be at least a lateral move. If it's not bring Campbell back just because of where they're at in the cap and who's going to be available. Yeah, no question about that. I do want to say though, I am, I am, I do have mild interest in, and I will sprinkle this, and I'll actually post this on Twitter. 
a little bit on the draw tonight in the Flames Oilers game. I get a sense it could be OT. I don't know. I've just got that feel to it tonight that I think both teams really bring it tonight. Even though Calgary won game one, they're up one nothing. They want to play better. They know they can play better. They know they have to play better. And certainly Edmonton goes without saying. They know they have to play better. You can't bury yourself in the first period like they did uh, in game one. So both teams bring it. And because of that, I think a close game. And, and I think draw at, at a good plus price is worth a look. So I'm going to I'm gonna have a few bucks on that tonight. Edmonton-Calgary draw. I think that's better than me trusting either side because I don't want to lay it with Calgary. At least Edmonton could, I think, will be competitive, but do I want to take plus 150 when I can take plus 370, you know, which yeah. is what you can get the draw at at some places? Right. So I think the draw is worth a few bucks there uh, on the Oilers Flames. Plus 370, uh, the price for that. Terrific price. Yeah, you might have talked me into that in the over. <laughs> for sure, I, I think it'll be a close game for sure, though. Like, I don't see another blow tonight at all. Yeah, I think it will be. So just a, a late-breaking addition there for my card tonight. That uh, The draw plus 370, I do think that's worth a, a, a little bit of a shot there in the uh, Edmonton-Calgary game tonight, game two uh, of that series. All right, great stuff with Connor Graham. Uh, we thank him for joining us on the show, and welcome back anytime if you want to before the end of the season. And a reminder, uh, the Ice Guys uh, about DraftKings Sportsbook, then we'll get to best bets, but DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL, uh, new customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER download the DraftKings Sportsbook app sign up for an account use the promo code THPN all right best bets to wrap up the Friday edition of the show Connor we'll start with you first ever best bet here on the Ice Guys show what do you like um well I like uh, like I said earlier I love Lindholm to go over two and a half shots tonight I think uh, Calgary will be firing everything at the net and I think Lindholm will be one of the guys leading the charge and yeah I'd say uh that's the one I feel most comfortable with tonight. Funny. Uh, Luke Olivier Bland was on the show Wednesday, and his best bet was an Elias Lindholm prop. Uh, so, and, he, and he cashed it in the first minute. It was him to score a goal, plus 165. And, he, of course, he scores in the very first minute uh, of game one. Uh, and Connor's going to the well again with a Elias Lindholm prop for his uh, best bet. Elias Lindholm uh, over two and a half uh, shots on goal, minus 130. Uh, is the price with that. Uh, Elias Lindholm over two and a half shots on goal. Uh, best for Calgary. Best bet for uh, Connor Graham. My best bet is going to be from that same game, and I'm going back to the well with the over here tonight. Six and a half, Edmonton, Calgary. Uh, minus 110 is available at some spots with that. I certainly think both teams will clean some things up defensively and be a little bit better, but I don't know if they'll be good enough to keep this game below seven goals total. Uh, I still think there's extreme offensive advantages that Calgary has against Edmonton and vice versa with Edmonton pushing the pace, driving the play. And we have seen in the last few games of these playoffs, the Calgary Flames have given up not many shots and chances, but the shots and chances they've allowed have been very high danger, high quality looks, the kind of looks the Edmonton Oilers can bury 
uh, if they get them. So I like Oilers Flames over six and a half, minus 110, game two, Battle of Alberta for my best bet here for this Friday uh, NHL card. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Uh, Connor, uh, final words before we wrap it up. Yeah, just thank you very much for having me on. Uh, always welcome the opportunity to come and talk some hockey. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're able to pick some winners tonight. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But it'll be a fun, uh, fun night of hockey, fun weekend for sure. I know there's a lot going on with the PGA and, um, you know, Preakness is running this weekend if yep. you're into that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, for sure. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity and would love to do it again sometime. Absolutely. We appreciate it, Connor. We'll see if we can get you back on again before the uh, playoffs. I'm sure some of the guests, we will have them on a second time. Uh, some have expressed interest, so we will definitely look. And yes, I am betting the PGA Championship. We've got lots going on with that. Uh, no doubt. We've got second round leader bets. We've got freaking head to heads, three balls. Oh, yeah. uh, we've, got, we've got everything going with the golf bets this weekend. And uh, we got Matt Kuchar right in the mix. Chris Kirk right in the mix. Big, big, like 150, 200 to one shots. Uh, to win the tournament so again work to do rory ain't going to be uh, easy to beat will zalatoris ain't going to be easy to beat some of these guys at the top but uh very exciting uh start to the pga uh, championship in oklahoma very uh interested observer and in seeing how that uh, plays out for sure all right great stuff uh that's a wrap we thank everyone for joining us 82 live viewers on youtube hit the like button make sure you do that uh, on the way out a reminder the ice guys is live seven days a week monday to friday 2 p.m eastern saturday and sunday noon eastern if you can't watch the show live download the ice guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. Tomorrow we're on. Now, I want to mention, actually, before we say goodbye, usually Saturday and Sunday we're on at noon Eastern. We're actually going to be on tomorrow, the Saturday show, at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So the same time as our weekday shows to accommodate our guest. Who, Speaking of golf, he's actually going for a round of golf in the morning on Saturday. So it's basically to give him more time to be uh, ready to join us on the show. And that guest, by the way, is Kyle Bond. Uh, Kyle Bond will be joining us tomorrow uh, on the uh, Ice Guys show, of course, has played professionally in the re in recent years with the Blackhawks for a bit, Rockford Ice Hogs in the AHL, Toronto Marlies uh, in the AHL uh, as well. So he'll be joining us tomorrow. Kyle Bond, 2 p.m. Eastern. I think we're going to have Vito uh, of course, our weekend man with us from Latvia and Alex B. Smith, I think, joining us as well tomorrow. So uh, make sure you join us for the Saturday show at 2 p.m. Eastern with Kyle Bond as our special guest. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. For Connor Graham, our special guest today, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Saturday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.